dissolved the council permanently. Last remnants of the old republic have been swept away. Welcome, you bunch of regs, to another episode of the Imperial Senate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nikki Kumar, and I am joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Charlie Ashby and Claire Stribling. What's up, guys? Hi, guys. Hi, hi ISP family. Oh, hi, hi, Claire. Sorry to overspeak. I don't mean to be over you there, Claire. It's okay. Yeah. I was just going to talk about how horny I am for quacky and lucky lizards and, you know, who needs to hear that for the thousandth time? Claire, you're such a tease, you know, just like Arsenal and the Gunners are really teasing us this season. You know, they're not doing too well in the standings, but I really think they're going to turn it around. Pepe has a really good up and up, and uh, I-, I feel like this is going to be it. Are they going to win the league? Probably not. But, you know, Champions League? I don't know. Europa League? Definitely. It's going to happen. Claire, and, I got uh, to mention, Claire, that you sound you don't sound okay. <laughs> Yeah, I have a bit of a cold. Okay, well, <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll fix. Maybe you should take the day off. I'll call someone else in. How about that? Okay, sounds good. We'll do that. Okay, Charlie, you take care of yourself too. Okay. Okay. Great. I'll, I'll just call someone else this time. All right. Okay. Have a go, go, go. We'll we'll see you later. Okay, you get better. Okay, everyone. So actually, you know, Charlie's still in recovery. Claire's on a bit of a vacation at the moment, so I'm gonna call some other people in just to help out. Um, because when mom and dad leave you the keys to the house, you got to try your best not to burn it all down, but we'll see what happens. Um, no promises. <laughs> so first up, we have the host of CO Bibble's Babble Bubble and my co-host for our new Patreon show, The Sacred Jedi Bricks, Reed Devaney. What's up, Reed? Hey, howdy, howdy. You know, I heard that, uh, that Ashby guy. Talking about the Gunner season, you know, I know they're ninth at the standings, but I'll tell you who's number eight even better. Go Wolves. I'm a Wolves man now. Oh, oh yeah. There we go. Wolf so pack. Apparently, I'm, I'm going to be talking English soccer instead of Star Wars, which I know very minimally about. But yeah, I know it's going <laughs> good, man. Going great. Sweet. And also, we are joined by longtime friend of the show and fellow Oscar Isaac fanatic, Chris Swift. What up, Chris? Hey, everyone. It's good <laughs> to be here. I'm very excited that Reed and I uh, are here as Charlie and Claire's much less interesting and less attractive replacements. <laughs> Speak for your, you know, I, I, it's okay. I know I'm not that good looking, but Chris, you, you're stunning. <laughs> Don't shoot yourself down, man. Oh, that's so sweet of you, Reed. Call me. Um, <laughs> so, oh, man. Star Wars. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to have you both on. I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time you've both been on the main show. Other than yes. celebration interviews, yeah. Right. Our, uh, you were, you did both. totally derailed the celebration. Right. You both featured heavily in our uh, in the episode. We don't talk about that much. Um, but it was, it was a pretty wild post-celebration sort of live show. Um, you, you were both in that a good amount, but it's nice to have you in a What's well, obviously a more serious setting, right? Um, oh, very serious. Oh, yeah. Quite well, you know, I got my sleeves rolled up. I'm ready to go to work, ready to shake yeah. some hands. You know, this is all about campaigning. I'm hitting the trail, <laughs> Mayor Pete style. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. There Very we go. Hey, Mayor from South Bend, Indiana. Hey, go don't, Irish. Don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess there has been 
a few things happen in the world of Star Wars since certainly since uh, this show's had its last sort of main episode, and uh, we're gonna take a break from the uh, the crazed fandom talking about you know Obi Wan shows and whatnot to a crazed fandom talking about the Project Luminous reveal, which is a gargantuan publishing project set 200 years prior to the events of Phantom Menace, uh, known in, in, as an era called the High Republic. Whew. What do you know? Um, so according to Lucasfilm Vice President, Franchise Content and Strategy of... Oh, God, that was a weird sentence. Okay. <laughs> according to Lucasfilm Vice President, Franchise Content and Strategy, James Waugh, uh, I don't know how to say his name, so sorry, James, if you're listening and I mispronounced your name. Um, this was a golden age for the Jedi and also a time of galactic expansion in the Outer Rim. So expect there to be rich tales of exploration, charting out the galaxy, meeting new cultures, and discovering what pioneer life in the Outer Rim was like. This is an incredible sandbox for our storytellers to play in, both within publishing and beyond, and we can't wait to see the great fiction they build within it. So guys, Project Luminous, The High Republic. What were you thinking? What were you hoping? How did those... How did all that line up for you? Well, I can't say that I'm uh, surprised because there was definitely all this floating around of High Republic sort of being name dropped within particular media pieces, both in comics and books over the past year and a half. And so that's where a lot of people who sort of closely follow the publishing trajectory of uh, Lucas Books and whatnot, or Lucas uh, Story Group, I was saying, this is what we're going to focus on. So I wasn't at all surprised by the reveal, but what really got me and just knocked me off my socks, or out of my socks, I'm not standing on socks and then falling off of them, (laughs) (laughs) was uh, seeing the, you know, that initial cover art that looked so like 1950s, 1960s sci-fi with these beautiful golden robes. You know, it looks like you should see that on the cover of like a shitty novel that you would buy on half price books for you know like 295 but is like delightfully fantastic and campy and just to see that artwork style make it 40 50 years after the fact still showing up i think it's really cool and i'm hoping that you know them being aware as science fiction writers of kind of that the cultural heritage of that kind of, you know mid-century sci-fi that there's a little bit of that kind of campy world building thrown in there because they have this sort of blank slate to start to work with. And maybe that's just wishful thinking. This is not based on anything other than the artwork. Um, but, you know, like sort of the extra, not extra like 90s Captain America buff looking dudes. But, you know, everybody's there is looking slick, you know. <laughs> and they're, Everyone's they got, been to the dry cleaners. They've been to the dry cleaners. You know, <laughs> they've got them. They're all starched up. Their hair looks perfect. And I really hope that this is, you know, what we see, especially early on in the stories. But maybe as they progress a bit, it gets a little dirtier. And uh, we start to see some of the cracks in the Jedi that over the 200 years after that fact really reveal themselves by the time of the prequels. So I'm excited. There we go. How about you, Chris? What do you think about this? That was all extremely well thought out and insightful commentary. Um, I have absolutely nothing like that to offer. I was so bored <laughs> by this announcement. <laughs> like I literally have never cared less about anything in my life. Would, I, did you I, want I, it to be something else? The, the Project Luminous, like in particular? 
no, because I don't want to set expectations like that because then you just end up disappointed when it's not whatever you imagined. I just mm-hmm. don't care about the era. For me, Star Wars is not about the lore and the force and everything on its own. It doesn't it doesn't work without the characters. And for me, so for me, Star Wars is Luke Han and Leia and mm-hmm. Anakin and Obi-Wan and Padme and Finn and Rey and Poe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a miracle that the sequel trilogy cast was able to replicate the kind of love that I have for the original cast um, and be as much about be as much of Star Wars for me as as they are. Um, so that's my Star Wars is the Skywalker saga and leaving that to go explore brand new characters on one hand could theoretically be exciting um, if it's done well, but on the other hand, it's still not, you know, hashtag not my Star Wars. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, I, it really, to me, it, it, it just isn't what I'm looking for right now. I want more stories with the characters I love. And we're still getting those. You know, we're going to get more stories with, with Ray Finn and Poe, I'm sure. And we're getting more comics and stuff with Lucan and Leia. So I'm still getting what I want out of Star Wars. I'm not like being deprived or anything. Um, this particular aspect of Star Wars just does not appeal to me for those reasons. I see. Is it is it a bit of a case of, for you of uh, needing to see the, what the characters are before like being willing to to yeah. jump into it. I mean, I could be totally pr- I could end up loving the characters as much as I love in the High Republic era as much as I love the characters that I was just talking about uh, as much as the classic characters. That could theoretically happen, but it's just so unlikely to catch lightning in a bottle like that twice because mm. my love for them runs so deep. And that's so much about what Star Wars is to me, just as much as the lore. Um so going back to an era where they're kind of just relying on the lore and bringing in whole new characters is not going to pique my interest right away. They're going to have to do a really, really, really good job uh, to, to get me to even pick up, you know, past the first 10 pages of the first book. Um, Mm. Because it just on the surface is not what I'm looking for out of star Wars right now. I see. Well, I guess, um, they they haven't given us too much about what it is, but sort of the um, it seems the general premise of how they were uh, sort of explaining stuff at this um, panel that or I guess sort of press event that they did a few nights ago. Um, so sort of the Jedi are definitely sort of you know in their storied prime at the moment, um, and they're very much these like Jedi Knights of the Round Table, and they they also mentioned this new villain. Uh, or villainous sort of faction called the Nile, who are, um, I guess, space Vikings is the word, <laughs> traveling across every... I, I think that's literally the word they used in the announcement. Okay, there yeah. we go. So space Vikings going, and I guess this this leads into the sort of um, the pioneering of the Outer Rim. I suppose that's where that's all happening. And they also mentioned that the story all, all kind of kicks off at this sort of horrific incident that happens right at the beginning um, called, called like the great disaster or something. So yeah, they, they haven't given us much to work with except um, concept art and book covers. And uh, I guess jumping into some of those, um, I guess it's worth mentioning the uh, sort of creative forces behind 
Project Luminous at the moment. And that's um, Claudia Gray, who's writing a young adult novel called Into Ooh. the Dark. Justina Ireland, doing a middle grade novel called A Test of Courage. Uh, Daniel Jose Older is doing a, I believe, comic. Are they comics? I think the High Republic Adventures. Um, That's how I understood it, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Kevin Scott is doing High Republic comic series by Marvel um, Publishing. And then Charles Soule is doing a novel called Light of the Jedi. Now, I always knew whatever Project Luminous was going to be, they got the right people to be writing it. Mm. I mean, this is a killer group. Um, Absolutely. I mean, Claudia Gray. Um, oh my god, <laughs> this oh, woman! Yeah. <laughs> I saw her. I saw her face in at the, uh, Celebration Chicago, and I swear it added years to my life. <laughs> I, literally, um, I literally went up and thanked her at Celebration Chicago. I just thanked her for writing Princess of Alderaan and some of the yeah. stuff specifically that was in it. I mean, it's my favorite Star Wars book. Claudia mm-hmm. Gray is the best Star Wars author working, not just today, but who has ever worked on Star Wars, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, uh, my lack of interest in this era of Star Wars is not due to the la- a lack of talent, behind, creative talent behind it, because you're right. The, the lineup is absolutely insane. Yeah. I'll tell you. The, um, oh, good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The thing that I'm mm-hmm. most excited for is to see uh, Charles write a novel. Because yeah. I think a lot of people miss how great his storytelling is because they just don't dabble in the uh, the comics medium. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't an argumentative point. Claudia Gray is still my favorite writer in all of Star Wars, so I agree entirely. Charles may be my number two um, because I have really got to enjoy, especially his, his Kylo Ren stuff, some of the Vader things. And he has this really unique way of looking at stuff. And so to give him a novel... Uh, for the first time that can make a big enough splash and hopefully, you know, introduce new readers. I'm excited about that because even if it's one out of every, I don't know, 5,000 people who pick up the book, if you're like, oh, I really like this guy's story, what else can I see that he wrote? They'll be introduced to Star Wars comics for the first time. And that's just a whole other opening thing too. So I really like that they're kind of bringing authors out of their usual uh, categorization and putting them into a slightly different medium uh, therefore giving readers the opportunity to experience them in an unfamiliar setting. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And yeah, Charles Soule is is just constantly, has, has been for years, just knocking stuff out of the park as well. Um, and I think that's going to be really exciting because I'm kind of one of those people as well who will generally read the sort of tentpole novel coming out, but miss like large, large runs of comics. Um, so I'm going to be excited to read his work in like that long form as well. And I've, I've read, um, I've read something Star Wars from all of these authors and they've all been good. And I'm very, I'm just really excited for them to be able to, um, just it's, it's like, yeah, that's like blank slate, right. Of it can sort of be anything. Um, and it, that, Reminds me of sort of the announcement video they um, sort of published with uh, the announcement, like the text announcement or whatever. And it was, they had all these like idea boards and all these people just bringing in all these different perspectives because it's, it's also a diverse group of writers. And they all had these different um, perspectives on what Star Wars is, what Star Wars can be, what um, they would like to see. And just so many of those things are 
exciting, especially the one that's gotten a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of publicity at the moment, where someone put dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it that's just it's fun to open up these doors, and like Chris said, I I think it's gonna be gonna be weird to, to open the doors so far especially when we all are like usually talking about our love for you know our hans and leia's and luke's and ray's and fins and poe's and whatnot and um it is good that we're still getting those but it this is going to be a really fun i think uh way to just you know show us things that we've never never really seen in a way where the consequences don't have to line up with the movies we're all attached to. Oh, I I love that. And I I guess for me, one reason that I I personally may be having an easier time accepting this and saying, let's go for it. And and this is at least within a certain crowd why I know they're feeling the same way is that I absolutely just love the old Republic games, including the MMO. Shoot me. I'm sorry. But, (laughs) you know, so for me, star Wars, is more for me personally more of the lore more of the universe setting rather than the trajectory of particular characters and so that's why it's like oh this is something brand new the last time i experienced a brand new star wars i fell in love with it with uh, those three video games so to see it another similar thing which just do whatever you want to do i think is totally awesome and from what i can tell you know as someone who is decently plugged into kind of the old republic community I would say that it's being largely uh, war- uh, received rather warmly because it's saying here's new material that's not infringing upon stuff that you have love, you know, because I know there was a lot of people who they consider Knights of the Old Republic part of their Star Wars canon because it really can. It takes so far back in the past. You can do whatever with your character, your customizable decisions, and it makes absolutely no difference to what happens in the films like you were saying. And so the idea that, like, let's put this massive story 200 years before The Phantom Menace, which is still thousands of years after this little beloved trove of games that you put on a pedestal, allows this whole crowd to open them up as well. So I'm glad that it's not alienating a particular part of a fan base, because I feel like there's been so much of that happening already. So they did a really good job picking where it falls in the timeline um, to kind of play around with things. Yeah, I think that was kind of another thing for me where I it was actually closer to a Phantom the Phantom Menace than I thought it was going to be. Um I don't know why. I always thought it would just be a little further back. Uh I don't know if that's like an impression anyone else got, but it does it does seem just like 200 years that's it. Like Yoda's already like 700, Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, my thinking on why that is the case is they might want to be leaving the old Republic era open to do to do things with later on like they mm-hmm. don't want to step on the possibility of doing something with Revan at some point maybe because that is still a very popular fan favorite character um, mm-hmm. so I, I'm thinking that putting it closer to the current timeline of the main saga actually uh, was a conscientious decision done for that precise reason um, Yeah, I'm speculating but that's honestly the, the, the my best guess as to why it is still relatively close and not a totally totally all the way back to the very beginning of the republic mm-hmm. yeah i think 
Um, I'm trying to, I like try to look at all these books. I, I guess we sort of already talked about this, but is there one in particular that you guys feel like you would pick up first? Claudia Gray is just because it's Claudia Gray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. That's the only reason that, she I, has. that I can give at this point. I mean, yeah, for me, I'd say that's a hard question. So I guess whatever comes out first chronologically by release, assuming they were all released at the same time, it would be a coin flip between Claudia Gray's and uh, my man C.S. Charlie. <laughs> I can't. Charlie's soul monkey. Soul music. Charlie Jive. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, Reed, you did point out to me a pretty interesting scoop that you got from Caven Scott. Oh. Do you want to, you want to dig into that a little? <laughs> yeah, so on... Uh, <laughs> on I'm scared. Uh, that's, that's the evil read laugh. Well, so I, I tweeted this thing out on a, uh, one of my various accounts out there about, you know, if there's this a massive multimedia project and what not, what, you know, mediums not announced would you like to see? And it was like a poll, right? And so it was like a coupon booklet, a uh, VHS, and nudie mags. And uh, I, just, I just threw that out there for the world to see. And lo and behold, you know, Mr. Scott himself says, oh, I would have to go with VHS only because Betamax wasn't on the list. Which means he did not openly deny that nudie mags <laughs> were not a part of Project Luminous. Well, here's so, the thing. Let me tell you something about that. There, pornography exists in Star Wars. So this is the holiday not, special. Well, there that in Legends, the holiday special it was the uh, origin of the pornography page on Wikipedia. Um, that is a fact. <laughs> I swear to God, there is a pornography page on Wikipedia because Back of the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> we are we are talking about a special that has Harvey Corman in a fat suit, drag, and blackface, and that is somehow not the most offensive part of it. Like, <laughs> it's, oh, man. it's it's really really bad, and it's not it, it, it's perfect to me that that is the origin of pornography in the star wars universe so this is just a natural extension of the star wars holiday special i i i think that's a great point i mean on one of the uh, earlier episodes of uh co bibble's babble bubble that's right unashamed to plug uh you know i dived into the possibility that are there those kind of shoddy little you know corner stores there's like bodega type things on geonosis where battle droids would go to get droids, jugs, the magazines. And I think if you look at the appropriate evidence, it's indeed there. And uh, But of course, that then prompted the comment, like, how do they pay? They don't have pockets. So, you know, do they have, like, chips in their hands that can be scanned like a credit card, or do they have to carry a little bag with cash? I have cash, a question. You know, how, so. do dro- how do droids masturbate? Well, do they have, like, erogenous, like, sensors or anything? Well, the B1s, you know, they fold down, right? So their heads go down to their groin. So you get where I'm going with this. 
I I don't. Can you please explain it to me in very graphic detail? Wait, yes, auto Wait, Reed, you do this. Reed, you do this. I'm gonna give you a little background, okay? Bum bum. So it's real simple here, you know. So what happens is when they go back into those, you know, those, those big tank things that carry the droids, right? But imagine when they're not being pushed out and they're being brought in and they're rolled into themselves, and you know, their little heads are, are down in their groin. One word, or I guess two words with a hyphen, handful of syllables, four, I believe, auto, five actually, auto fellatio. That's six, six syllables right down there. When they're in that ball, a little thing kind of <laughs> up on its own, and they're able to kind of rub it with their nozzles. When they un- when they stand back up, it folds back in on itself, so you can't see it because they're gentlemen. They're not going to go around <laughs> fully bare like Chewbacca and the Wookies. I mean, that just grows. No. <laughs> now, uh, a, a victory. Big, <laughs> a big problem, though, with with the super battle droids. However, you know how they're like all bulked up. Mm-hmm. And whatnot, very wide-chested, heavy shoulders. Well, that's like, you know, how eunuchs in ancient Rome would be these, like, big, bulky bodyguards of the Vestal Virgins. Because they had their, you know, their soft spots chopped off, if you will. So that's what's happened mm-hmm. to them. So they're not allowed. The super battle droids, they can't have this kind of romantic experience that the B1s are able to. And we all know about um, Wat Tambor, who's very fond of nipple play. Exactly, you know, and so it, <laughs> there's a lot of this it, going on. It changes Help. his voice. That's how much he's into it. <laughs> it does. He's just twisting those things around and around. <laughs> if you're ever, if you're ever wondering why Grievous has that longer face, he specifically asked for it so he too could bend down and have a nozzle of his own. <laughs> it's one of the upgrades he specifically asked for. But he could, and it's just tapping. <laughs> it's really light tapping that goes on. Little electrical shots go. Zzz, zzz, zzz. <laughs> if there's more zzz, the more times you do it there's more zzz before the zzz, you know it's kind of a stamina thing that takes a bit mr bones i mean there's a there's a droid named mr bones for crying out loud that's canon <laughs> that's the evidence that's all you need there you go yeah mr bones just has like a built-in dildo into his arm <laughs> i should get just one of these people with it <laughs> oh man now i wish there was like i wish there was a room in the layer of grievous episode where they walk in and it's just his sex toys all his lightsaber dildos they make lightsaber mm-hmm. dildos god i hope so yeah so what you i mean they make dildos of everything don't ask me how i know that so <laughs> what you can do is you go on etsy and there's this woman who makes uh four i believe four different types of lightsaber dildos and what happens is you uh you have the hilt. The hilt part are based off the different hilts from you know from the movies, and then mm-hmm. obviously the dildos are the the appropriate color of the lightsaber blade. But what's really cool about them is that if you hit a button on the hilt, they light up like a lightsaber. So your uh you can light up your uh either your vagina or your anus, um which is wonderful. Uh, I think it's a nice perk. <laughs> and I am all the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! I'm really glad uh, we went from silly to like semi-academic discussion to now just this. It all <laughs> whatever it whatever long. this is. It didn't take that you, long. You no, get it, it all in the Imperial it, Senate it, podcast. Under 25 minutes. Yeah, Project Luminous, ladies and gentlemen. Light, luminous means light. There we go. It all. 
it all comes full circle. It's all connected. Um, I, I guess some other sort of fun things worth mentioning about Project Luminous um, is that uh, that we have this also new location called the Starlight Beacon, I believe, or Starlight Station or something. Um, and it kind to me, I think Starlight Beacon. Yes, there we go. It kind of looks like the Jedi Temple in space, and I thought that was just kind of like a cool. A cool vibe. And also, like you sort of mentioned, Reed, very much sort of like, you know, mid 20th century sci-fi of just a big base in space, right? Like oh, space I love station. It. I love it. Right? Yeah. It, it, it looks there's like so much the cool Re- vibe. It looks like the Republic like headquarters in Star Wars the Old Republic, which Reed was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. It looks like it looks like the main hub uh, that you go to in that game if you're on the Republic side. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, it does. It's got did kind of a that similar... have a name in the in the game? Oh, I'm sure it did. Um... It, it does. I just can't remember what it is. But the the difference with the aesthetic here is that it has the like Jedi Council Chamber style tower on top right. of it that the um, Jedi Temple has, like you mentioned. That's yeah, that like same central spire. Yeah, that's where it's aesthetically mm-hmm. similar to the Jedi Temple. Yeah, it, that's that's pretty. That's a cool location to be putting into here i think and then also um i'm pretty intrigued about the design of the the villains as well um did you guys get to see those uh sort of concept arts i did i'm a big fan i I like that it's um not going with uh kind of the yuzong fong look of oh all these villains are of the same species Mm mm-hmm you know, I do like that it has this kind of ragtag feel to it. I mean, they, I, I know they call it Vikings, but in that sense, it definitely feels more like pirates in the sense that it's kind of a rainbow of characters that you have going on there. Yeah, yeah like the sort of hodgepodge mix of species, all sort of not not like primitive's not the word for like the armor, but just sort of like you know, actually, it reminds me a lot of uh, like uh, the villain, sort of the villains in Mad Max uh, Fury Road. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, like some of it's like a little steampunky, kind of like goggles and shit. And <laughs> you're you right. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a cool a cool touch as well to sort of give it a sort of central aesthetic, but not sort of like the same uh, sort of alien culture, I suppose, like the Yuuzhan Vong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's also just a really cool. Um, a villain to bring in, especially when, you know, we got the big, the big S word, the Sith who are believed to be extinct right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess my will, question, they will remain to be believed extinct. Cause by the time of Phantom Menace, they say the Sith have been gone for a millennium. So we're 800 right. years into said millennium. So, but my question is, do you want the Sith to be part of the story in any way? I don't care about the story, so it's hard for me. To have <laughs> Reed, do you want the Sith to be <laughs> one way or the other about it? You know, I would be really happy with sort of Sith uh, imagery or Sith visualizations. You know, if they were to name drop a couple of things, like you know, let's visit Malachor or something, or Moribond or Exegol or something. I think that would be that'd be fine without actually seeing them, but see, because I think it's just a really cool aesthetic 
You know, it's always looked very attractive in any of the movies or comics that touch upon it. So I think they'd be robbing themselves of a nice opportunity. Uh, as for the Sith themselves as characters who you follow, it'd be nice to have like little hints where the readers could try to figure out like, oh, I wonder if this particular person happens to be, you know, the, the master or apprentice in the current rule of two that's going on mm -hmm. right now, but never confirmed. Just like, oh, mm -hmm. that guy seems like he's up to something. Because, you know, being 200 years, we're now far enough removed from, even if you look at Legends, where they went with the rule of two, you know, went from Darth Plagueis to Darth Tenebrous to Darth, like two or three more after him going backwards. And then there's kind of a big gap between until you get to Darth Bane. So there's nobody they can even remotely try to steal from or borrow from, which is great, to try to create that. So I would almost like the idea that, you know, we the readers know the Sith are there, the characters don't. And just kind of keeping those little antennas up, trying to see where there's possible hints, but never being confirmed. I, that's personally what I would love. I could see them, mm -hmm. though, having a bit where you focus on somebody who is one, and only they know that, and no one else. But. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of like in a middle ground on that as well, where part of me kind of wants to see a Sith perspective, because I like, I love, I've always loved that idea of just sort of like... <laughs> Two dudes in a secret layer, or not dudes, but you know, just people. <laughs> two <laughs> things, two things in a room, just like trying to be like, hmm, how can we fuck shit up right now? <laughs> um, and I don't know. I think it would be kind of fun to see some sort of, you know, try to little machination. I guess it's one, it's one thing to wonder. I don't know how much canon will or has explored. Like, were the Sith not very ambitious until Palpatine? Like. Is he the first one in like a thousand years who was like, okay, big moves time? Um, yeah, and that's, canon, an, that's, that's like another question. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, did you, did you ever read uh, the Plagueis Legends novel before the or after the acquisition? I I don't think I finished it. Actually. Okay, yeah, because the whole thing is everything. First, like most of Palpatine's plan came from Plagueis first, because you know he was a high level guy in the banking clan. And it was his uh -huh. idea to say, let's sort of turn the economic system against the Republic and let that be the beginning of the fracturing that we have. And he I was see. already like, he, I don't know if he was the chairman or the vice chairman, but he was already like a pretty high political guy. Uh, but yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, will we see a politician or something who is guns raging? I, I know what I definitely don't want to happen. I really don't want the Nile to be led by a Sith. Mm-hmm. Because I think we've already just seen, oh, here's the Sith puppet behind, you know, in the shadows behind a giant military operation. Or even like right. a formidable one, if not giant. You know, I like the idea that you know, a, the common man is somehow bringing the Jedi to their knees or, you know, really pushing. The Bernie supporters. Know, Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh taking no! On, taking on the Jedi establishment. <laughs> oh, oh you God. just ruined the Nile for me. <laughs> <laughs> I take it all back. They're horrible. <laughs> We're now with Chris. We now hate this. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Uh, of course. I, oh, I would say that I think <laughs> that one of the, the, they said the main question they asked when coming up with the Nile was what most scares a Jedi? What are the Jedi most afraid of? Yeah. Yeah. And that, Commitment. 
that one. <laughs> <laughs> I had the um, DNA test done. It's your child. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating question too. I I love that. And I like the idea that it's not the Sith because in their mind the Sith are eradicated. Mm-hmm. And for even them it's ancient history. And you see that, you know, in the Phantom Menace, the council doesn't seem that concerned when Qui-Gon says, "Oh, I think the Sith has has you know, the Sith have come back." You know, they don't seem to say like, "Oh god, our greatest fears have been realized." So, you know, it could be something else. They almost seem to shrug off the idea. So I'd imagine that, you know, or I'd like to hope that's not it, whatever this greatest mm-hmm. fear could I, I would imagine it's being withdrawn from a connection to the Force. That's just a guess. But, you know, mm-hmm. because we've seen that people can be disconnected from the Force. You know, in The Last Jedi, we see that Luke has intentionally shut himself off. But mm-hmm. if there is a way that somehow these bad guys have found a way to remove the Jedi from their connections across the whole order, I think that definitely plays into like the vanity card of it too. You know, that we start to see so the fractions that lead up to all oh, the fall of the Jedi is their own vanity, their own hubris. And I think the first time they may start to experience that is how much they rely on this, this greater power that they're kind of keeping to themselves and they're hoarding away from the people, you know, they're the 1%. And the the occupy <laughs> the occupy Vikings group <laughs> are camping in their crappy little tents, <laughs> playing guitar, <laughs> playing guitar, and bongos, and not bathing. Oh man, just call me That's out, good. why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm uh, one of the most helpful things to keep up with during the announcement because I was actually. Uh, first world problem. I was at Disneyland while this was going on. Oh, you! Uh, so I didn't get thing. to like. I know, right? I didn't get to see any of it. But oh, it's following good old. You. <laughs> good old. I'm sorry. I was just. I'm busy on Rise of the Resistance. Oh, fuck you! <laughs> what um, he said. Indeed, but uh, I've been. The Star Wars Explained had a great thread on all this stuff. So one thing I wanted to mention out of that thread that he put up was. Uh, Apparently, Charles Soule said that the Nile are able to use hyperspace in a very dangerous way, but that's all he was. That's all he said about it. So, that's another sort of little Easter egg on sort of a, a an enemy faction that is, I guess, using technology that's not, or at least at what we can tell, maybe now not uh, solely about destroying planets. Mm-hmm. It's like just sort of something a new stake. I think that's always that's kind of that's kind of cool. I could go for a new stake, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Quite. You more of a T bone or a flank guy? I honestly, I was just making a joke. I don't like steak. I don't eat it. I have no opinion. <laughs> it's like about I'm vegetarian. It. Yeah, you, 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 you caught me off guard. You pushed <laughs> the joke farther than it was meant to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I guess. For now, I think we'll put a bookmark in uh, Project Luminous. I think. Oh, can I say one more to thing? Be... Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I wanted to say it earlier when you mentioned it, but they were talking about in the announcement video uh, about how important it was to bring in all these diverse voices and perspectives uh, to, into the fold to talk about what Star Wars means to them. 
and how that would inform the storytelling in Project Luminous going forward. My question is why that was not done on the films. It's it's like it's it's embarrassing. It's fucking humiliating how painfully uh, straight and white the uh, and male the creative teams on the movies have been, and the fact that the publishing arm is the only ones that are making any real efforts that we've seen any tangible results uh, from as of yet uh, to diversify uh, and be inclusive in their storytelling has, has been the publishing arm of Lucasfilm. And uh, yeah, Kathleen Kennedy should be fucking embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry. No, hey, no, I, I think well you're called right. out. Yeah. I, I, the Mandalorian gets a little half applause, at least for having a diverse selection of directors in terms of yes, their it does. TV. Efforts. So I'll give up that, but I think most of the writing was still done. It's still, it's still like Favreau wrote. It was yeah. Favreau, yeah, for the most part, yeah. and I think Filoni. Yeah, and then it, uh, Rick, Rick Famuyiwa and Christopher Yost wrote. Yep. they wrote theirs. Episode six. That's okay. correct. And um, it's fantastic, so it shows. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I'm increasingly frustrated uh, with with the with the film uh, arm of of Lucasfilm. Um at this point it's embarrassing. I know we just found out that they're apparently developing um, a Star Wars film uh under the watch of uh JD Dillard and Matt Owens, mm-hmm. but uh that's not official yet. So and we'll see once it becomes official if the project ever actually gets made or released. Right. Um, with their names At on what it. point people start leaving projects. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So show me did, the blue text at the Kathleen, end of the credits, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Kathleen <laughs> then I'll believe it. no milk and cookies for me just yet. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, this is just sort of speculating, but like I wonder how much different the industry of filmmaking and publishing sort of are like just them independent of Star Wars filmmaking is so white and male and you know and straight and whatnot and like is i wonder to what degree publishing just in general is more um embraceive of different ideas i mean i would just wager a guess um that publishing is probably ahead of the, the film industry by a long shot and that is probably largely done by finances because you don't have to commit a tremendous amount of money to uh, you know a, a person of color or you know a person from a more disparaged part of society to write a novel or to write the uh, you know the script for a comic book, for instance. But to give somebody the realms or give some, put somebody at the helm to make a whole movie. I mean, you're looking at a multi-hundred million dollar project, even if it's a small one. You know, it's a sizable cash versus oh, here's just sit down and you write. You know, and so that's what I would say, just generally speaking, in that, you know, probably all the biases exist on the executive level on both ends. But and I'm, so this is not necessarily to say, oh, you know, the guys at Penguin are somehow, <laughs> you know, better than the the dudes that I don't know, the studio formerly known as Fox. <laughs> it just yeah. happens to be that it hurts their bottom line less as they're seeing. It. I don't agree with this line of logic, but I'm sure like, oh, yeah. Why not? We can just let them write, and if we like it, we'll just do what's necessary to push out the books versus to commit to, you know, 
a pilot for a TV show or to pick up a script and make a you know a feature film out of it is a very time consuming uh, commitment and uh, mm-hmm. financially so as well. So that's just a guess. I, I have no data behind this, but I'm just yeah. Assuming. Well, I think like also, you know, despite all things proving it not to be the case, they for whatever reason executives still feel um, there's risk involved with new like new perspectives right mm-hmm. like Which is I mean, idiotic because yeah it's, it's like it's been proven at this point that that is right. not the case that people are looking for diverse perspectives and looking for new ideas and looking exactly for new stories and like it, it it's just it, it's just factually untrue to suggest that it is it is risky to to take on uh to find young uh talent of color or queer talent it it it, it, it it's just it's nonsense it's just fucking nonsense. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think that that sort of is like exactly the sort of jumping off point of what you were saying reed where like for whatever reason they still see that as risk and mm-hmm. there's less risk in a book versus a movie again from their sort of bottom line perspective but yeah it's it's something that i don't know it just it's one of those things where it's like it feels like inevitably it'll happen but It'll just keep feeling inevitable until someone actually does it. Um, so hopefully, I don't know that's kind of it. Hopefully, just someone someone does it, and uh, maybe JD Dillard will will be the one to just finally smash through the the sort of like wall that appears to be there, and he'll complete that project, and we'll see his name in the blue letters. God, and, I hope so. And then, and then you know, then the floodgates are open, but. We'll see. A lot. The future is uh, ever in motion, as they say. All right. So moving forward, we'll touch on this a little bit because we do only have 20, 20 minutes of content or so, so far into uh, the Clone Wars Season 7, which officially began on February 21st. Um, and we have begun the, bin- or the beginning of the end has started. And Episode 1 is the Bad Batch, part of a four Four episode arc that kicks off this season. Um, it's the bad batch. <laughs> bad. Um, we've met four new clones called Hunter, Record Tech, and Crosshair. They're like these mutated versions who have um, ideal mutations that let them do some pretty wild stuff on the battlefield. Um, and the mysterious but cool, uh, I guess. Echo is alive. Maybe, hopefully. Oh no, is he though? We'll find out. <laughs> Tune in next week. Um, but yeah, it's it's very exciting for Clone Wars fans to have season seven back. Um, I know I'm I'm feeling pretty jazzed about tuning in every Friday for the new episodes. And I guess one thing about this, um, since there's not too much to cover really yet without the arc resolving. Um, one thing I'll mention is Reed and I actually have a pretty good uh, or pretty fond memories of this particular story, all because of a panel back at Celebration 2015 where they screened all four of these episodes in their um, sort of, uh, what's the animatic sort of story reel versions. And so we've actually sort of seen this, uh, this arc already, but I don't know, Reed, what was it like for you to see... Finally, these episodes in their in their all their glory. 
Well, it was super cool because I had mixed reactions knowing that these episodes were coming down the pipe because I was like, okay, I've already seen them. Let's dedicate the four episodes to seeing a story I haven't seen, which, you know, mm-hmm. sounds so selfish. And I almost feel embarrassed that that was my, my line of thinking. But, you know, about three minutes into it, when you first, three or five, whenever the Bad Batch first shows up and you see the smooth animation style and not the blocky stuff, like, yes, this is what I wanted. Oh, my gosh. Perfectly on a platter. I apologize for any other disparaging comments <laughs> I said about them doing this. Oh, it was so satisfying. because, But there was a certain piece of humor to the kind of unfinished stuff they had. You know, during yeah. the battle sequence, they were just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Planet didn't have a name. Yep. And there was no background art. And the lips didn't move. And so when they threw a grenade at the battle droids, rather than get electrified, they fell down like bowling pins. Mm-hmm. And just kind of laid on their sides there. Is that not and how grenades work? <laughs> I guess not. You know, that, that's how I thought. But and then seeing what the landscape actually looks like, colored in, and they put some cool like, creatures in the background with yellow eyes to make you feel like you were in this jungle. And the rebels re- reference, right? Yeah, absolutely. Same planet as uh, the base on rebels with the fear knocks. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool tie-in there, and. Uh, what was I going to say? I totally forgot. Well, it's a good, it's a good episode. I'll yeah. quietly excuse myself until it hits. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it is a good episode. Great introduction to the the new squad. And it was very clone focused as well. Um, so basically it was just D Bradley Baker talking to himself for, for 20 minutes. Um, but, but yeah, I think going back to that sort of feeling of the, uh, having seen it in, in the panel, I was basically the same way in that, I was like, oh, if we're going to have four episodes, or if we're only having 12 episodes, I don't want four of them to be something I've already seen, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I understand that totally. But then I was also, I remember watching it during that panel and being like, oh, man, this would look so cool, fully animated, <laughs> like, and not with, with all the texturing and whatnot. So, I agree. It was one of those things where once it was on, I'm like, okay, let's do this. Because I forgot how much I enjoyed the squad. Um, Clone Force 99. And it just makes me think about also other panels where they would have been in other arcs. I remember them talking about like a Kashyyyk arc where mm-hmm. the Bad Batch was like the only clone operating force sort of there beforehand and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's it was just cool to get back into that. Um, my man Jesse made it to Arc Trooper. Way to go. <laughs> I'll have a party for you later. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. I think there's not much to say apart because I think the next three episodes have a lot of like meaty stuff in them. I think, oh yeah, it's it's a a good ride. Yeah. It's a better discussion as an arc than, than a single episode. And also Chris has yet to see it. And I have yet to see it. That's why I'm being very quiet. Exactly. I have have nothing (laughs) to offer as usual. (laughs) Only your beautiful tones. Yes. Of telling us you have nothing to offer. Yes, thank you. That is my that is my brand. Mm-hmm. Nothing of substance, just <laughs> nonsensical rambling. <laughs> but yeah, it, I think. Or oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, just in the panel in from 2015. Who was it? Uh, who was sort of credited, if not being the creator of the Bad Batch, kind of their be- their biggest advocate in the writing room? Oh, do, I think do you remember. I think uh, it is it the was, writers. It was me. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Chris. All right. <laughs> I did it. I hey, see. There we go. Wars. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> 
Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because going back to your Kashyyyk story during the panel, Dave was saying mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, so-and-so, whoever it was, I'm, I'm feel awful I about think it was Matt McNavitz. Okay. Yeah, or, I think and, so, and, too. And like Brent Friedman, I think they're the two who are like the most sort of into it. Yeah, because like, oh, Matt would always say, oh, could the Bad Batch show up here? Oh, maybe the Bad Batch can save us over here. Oh, maybe we can put Bad Batch. You know, they, this looks like a tricky situation. How do you get out of it? Like, we got the Bad Batch rack here. <laughs> they just pestered oh, them enough that they got the episode ready, and then it gets canceled. And, yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that guy, glad Matt, my boy Matt. <laughs> I'm going to call you Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, 100%. I think it's it's very, it must be very rewarding for everybody who worked on on the clone wars to to be able to know that the the work is sort of being finished on um on Disney Plus. So congratulations to all of them. Um I know I myself and loads of other Clone Wars fans will be very excited to see what is next. Um we're going to wrap up pretty soon, but I do have a couple of questions that people have asked using the hashtag ISP questions. Oh, before Some... before we get to those, can I say one thing real quick? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Bob Iger is no longer going to be the CEO of Disney and has been replaced by somebody named uh, Bob Chappick. Bob. So you can now direct <laughs> your hate mail to him. Daddy Daddy Bob's left us. Yep. Send your another daddy hate Bob. mail to, to Bob Chappick now. Actually, Bob Chappick got enough hate mail i think because he was in charge of like park stuff and has just like constantly like made false promises or like pulled funding away from like parks projects that people are really mad about so so yeah so we'll uh we'll see how this goes him being the unanimous choice to be bob Iger's successor uh by the disney board uh seems like a good decision yeah. Bob Bob Chappick, isn't that where like Ted Kennedy's wife or girlfriend died? I know. I you oh Chappaquiddick. Yes, Chappaquiddick. I know. There we go. I was. I didn't want to make a Chappaquiddick joke because I thought it would be in poor taste. But you uh, you just went right for it, didn't you? <laughs> I don't think I don't think this show knows the phrase in poor taste. That's true too. You did, you, you did have me on, so that's. <laughs> oh man. Um. I did. I did also greenlight the impersonation of my two co-hosts. So, what do you mean they were here? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I'm confused. You called us after that part. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we did get some questions from uh, some of our listeners, and uh, I'm gonna just bring a couple up for you guys. Um, the first one being from Star Wars Friends Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we got a fun one here. Based on everything happening right now, what are the major panels you expect at Star Wars Celebration 2020? Chris, what do you think? Oh, I, well, the biggest one has to be the announcement of whatever the next movies are going to be. I mm-hmm. mean, that has to yeah. be, that has to be. They have the de- the development slate for the movies all lined up. They have release dates. They need to fill them. Um, they they are going to have to know by then what the next slate of films or Star Wars films are going to be, and they're going to tell us. Um, Do you think I, it's gonna be like Feige esque at Comic Con, where he's just like, and bam, and bam, and everyone's coming out on stage? And do you think that's gonna be it, or do you think it's gonna be like more chill? Um, I feel like I don't know. It depends on what the slate of movies looks like. Yeah, it really does. They also, it's it's gonna be much different than a Feige thing because Feige comes out with fifty thousand movies a year. 
<laughs> um, Star Wars doesn't do that. Star Wars has right. one coming out every two years, so they might announce a trilogy uh, of some kind. Um, you know, it's going to be a very different animal, which is fine. I prefer, I don't like those big Marvel, you know, I feel like I'm at an auction whenever I'm watching. <laughs> well, yeah. they're so they're so character driven, you know, because rather than saying this is the movie with the plot and the setting, they're like, you're going to see this person who you love and this person who you love, yeah. you know, from the comics, the translation of this character, to that where you don't even really care about their story. You're just like, oh, yeah, I finally get to see She-Hulk, you know, that <laughs> that type of rah going on where, you know, I think it has to have a little more delicacy. Because, I mean, thinking about, like, imagine had they done Rogue One and solo announcements in the, like, the MCU style. Like, and we got Jen Erso and Tobias Beckett showing up. And everyone's like, you know? And so it requires a little more delicacy with kind of framing, well, this is the story that's going to be happening. This is Mm -hmm. where it's, it's, you know, people weren't clamoring to know what was going to happen in the Black Widow movie, only that there was going to be a Black Widow movie. So I think yeah. this kind of, yeah, the auction house, as Chris said. Also, I feel like, I mean, the only way that I could see him doing it in that style is if you do like the auction house directors, like here's this director, this director, this director, they're the ones pushing it through. Because mm. I, I doubt they're going to do the Marvel thing where you roll out the leads of each of each movie, you know, kind of the, the, the main front man. Because you don't have who they're identified with. I mean, they already did that kind of when they had Ewan for Obi Wan, you know, and that whole like kind of WWE style <laughs> drop. <laughs> I got one question for you, Kathleen. <laughs> Ask me if I will return as Obi Wan Kenobi Sunday <laughs> night on pay per view. Because that's how Ewan McGregor. Yes, absolutely. Hey, Ewan. Ewan, what do you think about the scripts for the Kenobi thing? Oh well, it doesn't matter. matter what you think. <laughs> I feel like you're yes. confusing Ewan McGregor with Conor McGregor. <laughs> oh no, Conor McGregor just just say something racist and hit somebody <laughs> with his car. <laughs> uh, what other panels do you guys think might happen? Mandalorian uh, anim- season two. animated show. Is that is that there are a lot of whispers about? Oh, Rebel sequel, um, yeah. Yeah, whatever's coming after that. Yeah, yeah Mandalorian season two. Um, um, Obi-Wan, potentially. I, I know one that I'm excited about that may, may be happening. Uh-huh. The Imperial Senate podcast panel. Oh, shit! Let's make it happen, people. Let's get a po- hashtag trending on Twitter. Hashtag ImpSenatePod at celebration. Get these losers <laughs> on stage. Yes. Somewhere, so then I can come heckle them. Let's make it work. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be a great one. Yeah, you, you can just, just be in the back screaming obscenities at you. Yep. And then we can Works have t-shirt me. cannons that we shoot on your behalf. But like at way too close a range. So it kind of knocks people back a bit. <laughs> yeah, like... Oh, like blank t-shirt cannoning. Like we should have a Q&A portion. But Q&A portions are terrible, so there has to be a warning like, hey, if you ask a good question, we'll like launch a t-shirt to you. If you <laughs> but ask a bad moist. question, we're going to walk up right to you and shoot you it's, in the it's chest. It's still launching the t-shirt at you. <laughs> it has to be a moist t-shirt, though. Yes, t-shirts oh. that stay moist. Moist yeah. and wrinkled and 
And Charlie has to pre-moist them in England and then bring them over. So they're like, they're kind of gross and smelly. And just like Charlie. (laughs) Hi guys, that's not very nice. Oh, hey guys. Oh my God. Um, Um, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of good panels coming out. Also the Cassie and Andor show is apparently, uh, wherever that stands, we'll probably have something. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say, yeah, I'd love to see that sort of film slate panel as well. Um, Let's see. Next question really quickly is from Emma in the Discord. Uh, hashtag join our Discord. Um, and this one's kind of fun. So if Disney Plus did a Star Wars sitcom, what would it be about? Now, I, I have my choice here. I, I feel like we've, it may have been talked about on the show before. Um, Dex's Diner in the style of Cheers. I feel like that'd be money. That could be good. I I like. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say my idea would be it revol it revolves around Anakin and Padme and them trying to keep their relationship a secret and they're really bad at it. And like, I just saw somebody on Twitter make a point. There's a scene in Friends where. Matthew Perry's character is like secretly dating one of the girls and he just out of habit like gets up in the morning at the breakfast table and kisses her like really passionately but the other Mm -hmm. two women in the room aren't supposed to know so he just acts like it's a normal thing he does and goes and kisses them too (laughs) and I just have that like that image of him doing that with Padme in front of in front of Obi-Wan and Mace Windu and then like having to go and kiss Obi-Wan and Mace too (laughs) that's Master and Mace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'd watch that. Come on, Disney Plus. How about you, Reed? Uh, I like this idea of trying to be in the style of another show. So I'm gonna go. Let's jump to the sequel trilogy. Uh, it's going to be First Order leadership in the style of Thirty Rock. Okay. Hmm. So Snoke <laughs> is ba- <laughs> Snoke is you know. He's Alec Baldwin's character in all of this. He's not Jack done, guys. Donaghy. <laughs> and, 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 and Kylo is uh, Kylo's Liz Lemon. Mm-hmm. God, Ren. Oh, my God. <laughs> the writer's then, room is the Knights of Ren. <laughs> yeah, the writer's room is the Knights of Ren. <laughs> Hux, is, Hux is like Tracy. Yo, Kylo, I got an idea. <laughs> or is Hux, is Hux Jenna? Always like oh, trying Huck, to get oh, yeah. attention. Huck's Jenna, Huck's yeah, definitely Always tra- Jenna. Yeah. Who's the Tracy? I guess you gotta get some. Tracy. I'll be Tracy. <laughs> New I've volunteer. There we go. I volunteer to join the sitcom. <laughs> Here's the problem, though. I, Jenna and uh, Liz never hate fucked, so the Kylo and Hux comparison doesn't really work. Oh Uh-oh. yeah. <laughs> we'll have to I do, do some rewrites. <laughs> I do like the idea of. Um, of Kylo walking into Snoke wearing like a nicer gold robe. It's like, hey, Supreme Leader, I wrote the jokes for you for that dinner. Oh, good, yeah, that's going to be in April. What? In April? Then why are you wearing a really nice gold robe right now? Isn't it tonight? (laughs) Good God, it's after five o'clock, Ren. What am I, a farmer? (laughs) (laughs) This is is also funnier knowing that 
Snoke is like a test tube clone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything is funnier now that we know he's a pickle. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thank you for those two questions, uh, listeners online. Thanks for all the submissions. Maybe we'll get to the other ones later on a future episode. Um, we are just about to run out of time, so I will quickly ask the both of you, what made you moist this week, or since we haven't had an episode in a while, in the past few weeks, what Star Wars thing made you the most moist? Uh, read, ladies first. Oh, you're such a you're such a gentleman and a scholar for that one. Uh, let's see. I would have to say, when was your last episode? I'm curious what the window of time is. You know, there's been a lot of splution going on, but I want to pick you know the most important. <laughs> important one our last episode was the beginning of the month the beginning of the month okay so star wars resistance did that end in that time period too or was it already over i'm just gonna use it i don't know i'm gonna say (laughs) when bucket flew the fireball all by himself i love that that was fantastic star wars resistance finale sorry spoiled it for all you people waiting to watch it on disney plus but you know what? It's your loss for not wanting to sit through the Disney Channel and the commercials between the episodes. You know how Bucket many kills everyone. Spoiler Bucket alert! It's a fantastic job, and so yeah, I'll go with that. Here we go. How about you, Chris? Uh, what didn't make me moist? I'm always moist, especially about Star Wars. I don't know. Um, I I don't know if I have anything in particular that made me moist. This podcast made me moist. Thank you for having me on. It's been so much fun. You made me. Hey, there we go. That's what you did. Um, I mean that in a completely non-sexual way. Unless you're into that, in which case, then I mean it in a completely and total sexual way. Same for you. Check those DMs later. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you for coming in anyway. And um, I'm glad that made you moist. And (laughs) (laughs) for me, uh, I think I already sort of mentioned this, but... Tell you what made me moist, Arc Trooper Jesse. I just love to see a guy who has who has gone from you know one little regular clone. He's worked his way up the ladder. He's been rewarded for battlefield bravery, and he is now an elite trooper. That makes me very happy. Also, because Arc Troopers are just fucking dope. Um, Getting that battlefield bravery. Hey, my man. Um, So I guess yeah, that's everything we've got time for um if you guys want to catch up with the show find our social media links you can check out the website imperial senate you can also follow us on twitter at imp senate pod you can follow us on instagram at imperial senate pod check our facebook page for show updates on there you can send any questions or voicemails to imperial senate podcast at gmail.com if you want to support the show you can do so by oh buying some of our sweet God, sweet swag I wish you're telling me. Um, <laughs> you can support, you can support the show at uh, tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash the Imperial Senate podcast. Chris, have you bought your Oscar Isaac Space Sluts shirt? I don't know. Have you? Uh, I have not. I don't have any money, but feel free to send me one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that might happen. Um, or you could become a patron on our Patreon page, where you can hear me and Reed talk about the Sacred Jedi bricks. If uh, if that episode ever goes up, <laughs> so um, on the blacklist. 
It's on the blacklist. If you if you want to hang out with us also, you can play Star Wars Battlefront 2 on the PlayStation Network when we organize those. Um, you can also take Mickey's keys, go home, and fuck his wife. There's literally nothing you can't do, apparently. Yep. It's, <laughs> that's, how we, that's how we run the show over here. Um, so anyway, thank you again to Reed and Chris, both of you. It's been an honor to have you both and, uh, you know, help me crash the ship. Um, <laughs> can I, so can I, I put in a, a plug? Oh, of course. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys uh, where we can find you. So we'll, we'll start, start with you, Reed. How, where do we okay. find you online? Yes, you can find me. Uh, the podcast is a CO Bibbles Babble Bubble. It's a good one. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I when I had uh, when Chris joined me on the show, I said the Imperial Senate podcast is the adult show that I wish the Babble Bubble had the patience to grow into. But then he said it's a very bad example of an adult. So Imperial Senate podcast is like the crazy uncle of podcasts who uh, CO Bibbles Babble Bubble would like to uh, to grow into. Also, I'm not one of the meme pages paid by Mike Bloomberg to say this, but just picture a goofy looking Mike Bloomberg meme. I don't know. Just, you know, America's <laughs> mayor 2.0. Oh, God. <laughs> God. God, I, now I'm sad the podcast is ending because I just want to shit on Bloomberg. Why don't you tell us your Twitter handle so we can shit on Mike Bloomberg with you online? That's fine. No, I don't give out my Twitter handle to people because it's private. But uh, you can, as always, you can email me at Star Wars uh, fans are assholes at Star Wars sucks dot com. Um, yeah, you can eat my. There app. we go. It works. <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys. Well, it's been an honor. As I said, uh, we hope you listeners had a interesting. I hope at least fun time listening to us go through some of this news we'll be back uh sooner rather than later hopefully and hopefully some uh some order will be restored to this to this galaxy the final but, uh, order <laughs> <laughs> but from from all of us here at the uh, imperial senate podcast thank you and force will be with you always love you peace Dissolve the council permanently. The last remnants of the old republic have been swept away.